This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. It's a scoop session with our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson from the five Eyewitness News Sports Department. Judd and I were at Target Center last night. We can talk about the Timberwolves with another impressive win. But uh, Doogie, how are you on this Tuesday morning, sir, in the Josh Dobbs era of Vikings football? I'm doing okay. Good to see you, Phil. Good to see you, Judd. Good to see you, Declan. Happy Election Day. Another rare day off of school for the boys. I remember... It wasn't that long ago. Like, I get it. I'm 43, but I'm not that far removed from going to school, elementary school, into junior high, back then junior high, into high school, the former Henry Sibley, now Two Rivers High School in Mendota Heights. Okay, I'm not that far removed. I don't recall having this many days off. I really don't. And I understand, okay, voting setup, can't really have school when voters are coming in. But, like, the older one didn't have school yesterday. I just don't understand how these kids have so many days off. So that's my mini rant before we get into some Vikings dialogue. Yeah, that's why all these kids, these kids need to be going to school. Ten more, ten more days a year of school would uh, would would fix all the problems in our world. Year round school, baby, yeah. bring it on. <laughs> um, did you guys see the Mark Sanchez clip that was floating around? I'm sure. I'm guessing the audience probably hasn't seen it. So I'll just I'll just summarize it. Mark Sanchez went on Colin Cowherd's radio show yesterday. He does like a weekly appearance. And uh, Cowherd asked him about, hey, Josh Jobs, my God, that's pretty impressive. The guy signs, and five minutes later, he's winning a game for the Vikings. And Sanchez said, I actually have a story about that. A few years ago, when Kevin O'Connell was the offensive coordinator in Washington, Colt McCoy was the starting quarterback at the time. And I don't know if he took over for someone who was hurt, but they signed Mark Sanchez as like an emergency backup. And then a week later, Colt McCoy goes down in the game with a foot injury. And so they're on the sidelines and Mark Sanchez, like Mark Sanchez is like, I mean, I didn't get any reps in practice. I barely know my teammates names. It was pretty much the exact same situation. And the doctors are like, yeah, we think his foot's broken. And Sanchez goes, can you double check? Because I'd re- I don't, I don't feel fully prepared to go in this game, but because Kevin O'Connell and Mark Sanchez were together, I think, in uh, New York with the Jets for a couple of years. So, so they spoke that language, the the old like Jets. This is like ten years before or whatever the Jets playbook language. So Kevin O'Connell would give Mark Sanchez, "Hey, play fifteen on your armband." So he'd say, "Play fifteen. Sanchez would spit out the play, and then as they're going to line of scrimmage, O'Connell would translate the play into like what the language they spoke in New York was a few years earlier. Okay, so it's just like this, this, this. Read the linebacker here underneath. And Sanchez was like, it was one of the most incredible things I've ever been a part of. Kevin O'Connell navigating me through a new playbook and new teammate situation. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't shock me. I mean, you can make a case right now. Kevin O'Connell is the coach of the year, right? Not only for what he did to navigate Sunday's game, but heck, hiring Brian Flores, heck, his pre-draft love 
for Jordan Addison. Not that Quasi Adolfo Mensa didn't love Addison, but my understanding is O'Connell drove that bus in large part. You think about that catch on that last drive by Addison. Like, how special was that catch? I get it, C.J. Stroud, what he's doing in Houston, Offensive Rookie of the Year. I grant that. But Jordan Addison is going to be a superstar. He is that good. So Kevin O'Connell is really, really good. And, hey, I get it. If Royce was on this conversation, he'd be screaming right through his microphone, don't use that buzzword, right? But culture does matter. You think about the turmoil in Vegas. There are other examples across the league. I can tell you from being in that locker room on a regular basis, going back to when he first came. So last year into this year, OTAs, right? Training camp, mini camps, all that stuff, right? The off season. These guys love Kevin O'Connell. They really do. And hey, in the end, how much does that dictate impact wins and losses? We can debate that. But there is something to be said about how close this team is, how much this team wants to play for Kevin O'Connell. And that's why I thought that O'Connell was actually the star of the game on Sunday. Like Dobbs, what Dobbs came in and did was great. What Hall started off with was actually pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. But I think if there's one common denominator there, it is the coach. And look, when you can take a team that is is without wide receiver one, eventually wide receiver three, without quarterbacks basically one, two, and three, um, go down the entire list of guys who, who were, were out. You know, the morning of the game, you make in, inactive, in essence, um, an all-pro left tackle, and yet you still win. That, to me, that's where anybody that says, ah, coaching, it plays a small role. No, in this case, it played an enormous role, and he did a great job. And And this also goes back to what, you know, what he's been trying to install since the day he got there. Because the interesting thing, too, is, you know, there would have been certain situations and locker rooms where if you let go of Eric Kendricks and Thielen and Dalvin Cook, and Scooby knows this, too. He's, he's in line with me. Scooby's takes. like, yeah, go sports Scooby dad. Scooby and Dalvin are like go, this. Go sports <laughs> yes. dad. Go sports dad. But when, but when you look at how he has navigated the waters from a team-building standpoint and then what he did on Sunday – that's really damn impressive, and and he won't want to take the credit, but I thought that he was actually the star of that win against the Falcons, Dukes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I echo everything you just said. Heck, at 0-3, they could have curled up in the fetal position, right? I mean, we all would have understood that. You know, he navigated that situation. He is just – he is really, really good. I can still nitpick some of the first down play calls. Oh, lack yeah. of production on first down. Yep. There are things I can nitpick. But like even the Alexander Madison 47-yard catch, right? To think about lining up Madison out there. And I get it. There was a breakdown. Akuda, right, thought there was some help on the backside. I understand that. But just some of the play designs, there's just there's so much I like about in-game versus Monday through Saturday. I just think he was an excellent, excellent hire. Also, it just, you know, we've made so much about prepping the quarterback on the fly, but it wasn't really known unless you have other information until 24, 48 hours before the game that Christian Derrissaw was all of a sudden maybe not going to play. And What David happened Quisenberry. on Saturday? Yeah. yeah, I mean, we didn't know about it on Friday because it hadn't taken place. I mean, he tweaked that groin sometime on Saturday. I don't have all the specifics, all the details, but it's something that popped up on Saturday. And now, like, he's not going to be a full go 
this week in practice. I'm not going to sit here and declare 100% he's not playing against New Orleans on Sunday. I'll know a little bit more later in the week. But, hey, don't be shocked if David Questenberry is back in there at left tackle on Sunday. And, hey, how about that sneaky good addition in September, right? Like, he needed to be thrown into action last second. Did you notice David Questenberry? This is a good thing. Did you notice him at all? On Sunday, it seemed to me, I don't know what the PFF trade was, but just the eye test. Yeah, maybe one play here or there. But Uh, I'm just saying overall, Questenberry, that's that's pretty darn good. That safety to me was more Joshua Dobbs, like not moving. Like he kind of moved right in. And PFF gave Questenberry a really good grade, by the way. Did they? Okay, so there you go. It just seemed just from the eye test, right? You know, my amateur eye test, but it seemed like Questenberry played well. That was a sneaky you know, now we can say it, right? Because he was thrown into action. Sneaky good signing, you know, when he was when he was on the market there in, in early September. So, Dukes, as far as where this goes now, how much do you think, and I don't know if, if your uh, sources have speculated on, on this yet or started to talk about it, but how much do you think the ability for um, Kevin O'Connell to watch, and it doesn't have to be Dobbs, it doesn't have to be Hall, a mobile quarterback is going to in, intrigue this franchise as far as what might be coming here. Because, you know, this gives them now a firsthand look at what might be with a guy. And, you know, let's assume that you can land on a guy that is a better passer, perhaps, or something like that. Because Dobbs is a backup. But how much do you think that this is going to um, not necessarily change their thinking, but to certainly affect and impact their thinking? Well, I mean, I heard there are fans of J.J. McCarthy. In Egan. Now, he might not be quite the athlete that Josh Dobbs in, but the Michigan quarterback can move. And I do think the Michigan quarterback is going in the first round, sort of, at least right now. Now, hey, if Michigan wins the national championship, if he elevates his play the rest of the year, maybe we're talking about McCarthy plus through the pre draft process. Maybe we're talking about him being a top 10 pick. But right now, it seems like he's trending more toward middle to late first round. So that would be a quarterback I would keep an eye on. Overall, I'm not sure. Like, I still think there's a better chance today than there was two Sunday mornings ago that Kirk Cousins is back. That Kirk Cousins is this team's starting quarterback week one next year, but you still take a quarterback very high, start grooming the successor, the eventual successor to Kirk Cousins. But yes, how much fun was that? It certainly is a different dimension, a fun dimension. Now, hey, there were multiple times I'm like, how the heck did Dobbs escape that? tackle right like there were multiple times I'm like holy cow right I guess that points back to his athleticism but there were multiple times where he should have been thrown for a loss yet he's running for 10 12 yards you know so there might be some randomness to that right like does the defender make the tackle not make the tackle how much goes into his elusiveness his athleticism but yeah I mean different element right but I think it's trending I'm telling you Judd toward a more likely scenario that Kirk is back. Now, hey, maybe some other team blows the Vikings offer out of the water because I'm not sure the Vikings will have the highest monetary offer, right? But that they're willing to play at least some ball with Kirk, his representation, that there is a scenario where Kirk is back, but then you also draft a quarterback very high, whether that's first round or soon thereafter, but that it's trending in that direction. So, like, I don't know... Like, are you suggesting go trade for Kyler Murray in March? Like, no, I don't think something like that is no, going to no, take no, place. No, 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 no. I'm I'm saying potentially draft 
one or it, well, it yeah, I mean you, that I can it see. It gives yeah. you a different skill set. That's all. It I'm absolutely saying. does, and I like it. Right? I mean, yeah. What's there not to like? I just, Phil, I don't know if there's any metrics on this. Just the randomness of being able to escape and not go down first contact. You know, how do you define contact? Mm-hmm. There were just there were multiple times where I thought. Falcons defenders had a chance to put Dobbs on the ground, yet did not. So I just wonder if there's some sort of randomness to that. Just look at this studio filled with fabulous prizes. All waiting to be won on Score North's Pick Your Prize! Behind door number one is a spark clear alignment treatment and a trip for four to Wisconsin Dells from Park Dental. Door number two has a custom closet system from the Minneapolis Closet Factory. Ah. And behind door number three, $10,000 in groceries from Cub. Ah. No surprise zoinks. What you want, you pick. 14 prizes in all, each valued at $10,000. Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. Another question I have coming out of this, so whether it's Kirk or whether it's if they love what they see from Dobbs and they... I think their their market for what they would be paying a quarterback is going to be different than it was a couple weeks ago. Like if they were going to bring Kirk back after a full season where he's getting MVP votes, now you're paying 40 or $50 million a year, even on a discount. So if they're going to spend less on the quarterback position, I'm speculating here in 2024, maybe 25, if, certainly if they draft a quarterback in the first round, they're spending a lot less. How much does this open? And they're trying to be mindful of they can't pay everyone, but they want to pay JJ. They probably want to pay Darison a couple of years. They just paid Hawkinson. Where does Daniil Hunter fit now compared to maybe like a month ago in this financial equation, do you think? Well, I mean, you look at the Montez Sweat contract. I'm just telling you, there's no way, right? And Montez Sweat, correct me if I'm wrong, Judd, clutch sports. Well, Daniil is now under that umbrella. His agent, mm-hmm. Zeke, is now with Clutch. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Nicole Lane and company now running that operation. Mm-hmm. You can maybe look that up quickly, Declan. Not that it necessarily matters. I mean, it doesn't really matter, actually, if Montez Sweat was represented by the same agency as Daniil or not. But you look at the Montez Sweat contract, I'm just telling you. And what was it guaranteed? It's uh, 48, 45, 72, 42, fully 72 totals. Okay. So, all right. Well, I mean, we talked about this last week, right? We were wondering what the guarantees could be on a Daniel Hunter extension. Well, we now have, you know, pretty good baseline that it's going to have to be more than that. Now, how much more than that? My sense right now is, the Vikings are willing to pay Daniil Hunter a good amount of money, but I don't know what that exact number is, right? Like, would they go to seventy-eight to eighty-ish million guaranteed? I mean, that's that's like three years. It's basically three years yeah. of, of guaranteed Daniil Hunter, right, into age thirty-one. So you're, I mean, I would think that would a... be the idea, right? That you would want some sort of escapability after maybe even two years, right? Like locked in for twenty-four, locked in for twenty-five. But then if you needed to get out from underneath it, you potentially could. I guess maybe you offer up the carrot of, of some sort of 26, you know, a good amount of money that would assure that he's here also in 2026. But bottom line, my sense right now is 
The Vikings want Daniil Hunter here in 24. They know the price of poker to some extent that they're willing to pay him a good amount of money. The question is, does the Daniil representation say, okay, yeah. right? Like he needs to blow sweat out of the water. Okay, we understand we're not getting Nick Bosa money, but somewhere thereafter, like Miles Garrett type money, maybe not TJ Watt type money, but somewhere like right you know, below that. That is the question. But I'm just telling you, I don't think the Vikings are thinking, okay, we're losing Daniil in March no matter what. Like, we've come to that conclusion. The Vikings absolutely want to keep Daniil Hunter. So where this gets to be super intriguing, too, is is this. Um, it's my contention that, one, uh, Brian Flores' lawsuit against the league probably has to be resolved before he's going to get a really good head coaching job. And, two, he went through the Dolphins mess. And I think he's at a point in his life probably where I don't think he's going to take the first bad job that comes along. So here, here's the thing to keep in mind, okay? There's only so much because of the cap and things, There's and there, there's only so much of the financial pie to go around. I think there's a halfway decent chance that Flores is back next year with a raise probably. More importantly, I think Brian Flores is going to say, you know what really makes me want to come back? 99. Daniil Hunter makes me want, want, want to come back. In fact, my spies tell me that he was celebrating in a big way when the hold-in came to an end. So that's so my question is this. If it comes down to money going towards Kirk or Daniil, I think you have a pretty good case to, to make, despite the importance of the QB position, that it might be time to say, you know what, that goes to Hunter. We will find a quarterback. and. At the end of the day, and Cousins Crusaders, cover your ears, please. I don't want you to hear this because you're going to be all over my X feed today. At the end of the day, Kevin O'Connell uh, started on Sunday and will have a continued chance to show what he can do with a quarterback who's not highly paid. So, in other words, do you draft one? Do you go out and sign one? But, you know, I think for the sake of the 2024 Vikings, which and there will be expectations there. I think there's a case to be made that if Flores comes back and Hunter comes back, my team's in in better shape than if I sign an aging quarterback to come back. So that's another like that's another curveball here that I think could could be extremely in, interesting. And Kevin O'Connell's done nothing to hurt the perception that he just might be a quarterback whisperer, which we have well, not had in yeah, these parts for a long time. He might be. And hey, if Atlanta. Or some other team throws Kirk unreal money. Maybe I'm just not seeing that clearly right now. But if they do, I don't think the Vikings are going to match an absurd offer. So if some team wants to make that offer, an Achilles tear is not a death sentence. Although, I mean, heck, we're seeing it right now with Cam Akers, right? You tear one Achilles, there's a stronger likelihood you tear the other Achilles, right? So we see it, and I get it, running back quarterback. But you do have to be mindful of Kirk Cousins at 36 potentially tearing the other Achilles. But if a team like Atlanta or someone else wants to blow the Vikings offer out of the water, then yeah, Kirk is going to be elsewhere. On Flores, like, are you sure the lawsuit needs to be settled? I'm not there yet, Judd. I think for him to get a good, I think for him to get a good job. And how long I think is this thing can... going to move on? Like, at some point, we need to wrap this thing up. Well, that's right? up to them. That, but that's in the courts. Like I was Not thinking us. the commanders with the new ownership. Like, do you think Rivera is back as the commander's coach? No. And are you sure he wouldn't take that job? I mean, I get it. 
you know, Arizona didn't work out maybe. Right. And I don't even know if he would have taken the job if he was actually offered the Arizona head coaching job. But, like, if Washington offered him its head coaching job, are you sure he's saying no? I'm not sure, but I think he's going to be pickier. I think the Dolphins thing was a was a real wake-up call to to the – because he did a good job there. And well, I agree on that. Out. Sure. yeah, And, I mean, and he got blown out. I'm just saying – I'm just saying it's something to keep in mind. Sure. Keep in mind. Absolutely. And hey, I do know this much. The Wilfs absolutely would give him a raise. Like if there's a way to keep Brian Flores here in 2024, the Wilfs will handsomely compensate him. That I can promise you. Uh, We have more scoops coming up here. Last night, Judd and I were in person to watch Finch basketball solutions. And Declan was there too. Declan just got offended because I. Declan was there. Declan went to a basketball game last night. I was there. It's crazy. Phil was in the pretty seats. Judd was in the pretty seats. Declan was up in. Well, there were no pretty. No, no. Press row ain't pretty. Press row ain't pretty. But but Dex was talking to a a bunch of fans who, who like our show and also Finch basketball solutions and i hope he told them well you know if you like finch basketball uh-huh. solutions how about cody finch and finch home solutions because ladies and gentlemen if you have any issues um electronically in your house if you need an outlet replaced if you need your whole home because it's old rewired guess what finch home solutions going to show up at your house they're going to give you the the straight information they are not going to use a bunch of mumbo jumbo uh-uh courteous professional exactly what you want and also huge vikings fans finch home solutions can fix it all and you know what this is not a diy situation this is a situation where you want to have the professionals who are great at what they do and that's finch home solutions 612-357-2604 finchhomesolutions.com finchhomesolutions.com check out that site and make sure that your home is safe for you and your family Boy, Target Center was safe for uh, the Timberwolves last night. My goodness. Dukes, they've fun. knocked off the Nuggets. They've knocked off, well, the the Heat had uh, Jimmy Butler sitting, but in the night game against the Celtics last night, this team is yeah, legit. Yeah, and hey, Boston didn't have Derek White, who's a good player, but I don't know if like they win if Derek White plays. Well, hey, the, Phil, Wolves didn't have, the, the Wolves Toronto? didn't have Cat last night, so well, know, kind of all No, they didn't. Up. Well, and hey, the Wolves, you know, laughs aside, didn't have Jaden McDaniels for the Toronto game. That's one of the losses. Mm-hmm. Then he was on a minutes restriction in Atlanta, his first game back, that road loss, right? So think about how good they are when Jaden McDaniels isn't on a minutes restriction. But do you recall after the Toronto game, you asked me, hey, should we panic at all? I said, no, <laughs> right? There is a heavy emphasis on them getting off to a fast start. They look at what Denver did last year. I mean, Denver had a great November took off from there. The Wolves have put an extra emphasis on having a really good start. Well, we were wondering after the loss in Atlanta, because we saw Denver on the schedule. We saw Boston on the schedule. But then in a span of five days, you beat the Nuggets. You beat the Celtics. This team's identity clearly is defense. I thought the half-court defense last night was phenomenal. Yes, It was so good. And yeah, Cat stunk. Had as many turnovers as points, yet they still found a way to win. Mike Conley Jr., the clutch three, an OT, a steal, just his calming presence. I mean, really? They got Conley Jr. and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who had his best game of the year last night, for D'Angelo Russell. What a steal. I get it. Rip Tim Conley all you want if you want for the Rudy Gobert trade. But literally every other move he has made, 
has been really, really good. Mm-hmm. It was a shortened bench last night. Shake Milton barely played. Jordan McLaughlin barely played. There was just eight. Nas Reed continues to play at a high level, start the sixth man of the year campaign for Nas Reed. But I just think when Jaden McDaniels plays like that, this team goes to another level. And you think about, you know, April, right? Where will the Wolves be pecking order-wise in the Western Conference in April? That's one of those games last night that you point to and say, okay, right? Like New Orleans didn't beat Boston at home or – Golden State didn't beat Boston at home or any number of other Western Conference teams as you're jockeying for position. That can be one of those games. Now, you can't give back games against Detroit, Washington, and so on like they did last year, but they are well aware of their record against the bottom feeders of the league last year. I don't think that is going to happen again this year. So you think about pecking order-wise, where the standings fall in April. That's one of those wins, looking at last night, that can be the difference between being the three seed, the four seed, or heck, even the six seed. The stated goal, whether it's on the record or on background, certainly stated at Mayo Clinic Square, is we need to finish top four in the Western Conference. We need home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. You watch last Wednesday, you watch last night, you start thinking about that possibility more so. So I'm going to suggest uh, something and tell me if I'm crazy. Because it's early, and I get it. Like it, it's probably it's probably not a great idea to get overly excited about wins. It's probably not a great idea to get overly down about defeats. But are you guys getting the vibe in some ways that the Hawks meltdown, which was horrific, might have actually might actually come back to be a defining moment in the season? Because like what we saw last night, I, I told uh, Phil this post game, Dukes. I don't think I've seen a Wolves team this cohesive on defense and work this hard since Garnett. Like Jimmy Butler had his moments for sure. And and that building, and again, credit to you fans, because, I mean, that building, for anyone who says this is on a basketball town, it's a great basketball town when people have a product. But it felt like the cohesiveness, aside from Cat, of the defensive effort was such that I don't feel like I've seen that since KG and I just wonder if that Hawks epic meltdown actually served as a teaching tool for Finch of, if you let down, you might be good, but this is what's going to happen to you. So I almost feel like it's being used in a productive way instead of this, man, what a terrible game, embarrassing, blah, blah, blah. That's just my opinion. Your thoughts? Well, a couple things. Who says this isn't a basketball town, at least in the winter? I get it, the Vikings, football, the king. But I'm just telling you, there are many metrics where I can lay out the evidence. This is more a basketball metro area, state of hockey, fine, that's a marketing slogan, but there's more basketball fans in the metro area than hockey fans. And, oh, my God, is my ex-feed about to blow up on that, although I've stated that going back years. This isn't the first time I have volunteered that information. All right. (laughs) Is Monday just last Monday a product of just DeJounte Murray going off, who the Wolves had trade interest in before they completed the Rudy Gobert trade? So this front office now, hey, a lot of people could recognize DeJounte Murray is a star, maybe wasn't always utilized exactly the right way. Now, hey, who's going to knock Greg Popovich? But maybe there was more to unearth in DeJounte Murray's game, or maybe he just you know was lost in the 
you know, shuffle of the Spurs just not being all that good. Maybe it was on display a lot in San Antonio, but now we're seeing it more with Atlanta, more so a playoff team compared to when he played with the Spurs. But DeJounte Murray is a cusp superstar. And is it possible he just went off, right? And the Wolves, he had some shot selection over the course of 10 to 12 to 13 minutes two Mondays ago in Atlanta. It was questionable. But yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, when you think about the way they responded against Denver, then Utah destroyed Utah, now Boston. Yes, there is something to be said about that. I still need to see it translate to the road, right? We recognize really, really good at Target Center. Can this sort of effort, this intensity, everything translate on the road? That will remain to be seen. But I'm just telling you, they've put this unreal emphasis. Glenn Taylor told me this a few weeks ago on a fast start. They don't want to fall too far in the Western Conference standings because they realized if you look at even Memphis last year, but certainly Denver, right? Like Denver had a really good November and just took off. I'm telling you, the Wolves look at that as a blueprint. Maybe not to be the one seed. Maybe that's a little unrealistic, but to be a top four seed. So, yeah, but I just I need to see a Judd on the road before I'm really all in. But I just know that this team's half-court defense is its calling card. That is this team's identity. They are a top five defense. Yeah. It was just some of the little things last night, too. I mean, Anthony Edwards going around. I think there, there was a moment where he needed to sort of pump up Carl Anthony Towns on the bench. So he went over from where he was sitting to where Carl was. And and then he does it with Jade McDaniel. Jade McDaniel started like one for eight or one for nine or something. And he's going over to Jade McDaniels as they're walking off the court. And he's just he's 22 years old. He puts up just statistically and performance wise, one of the best games of his career last night. But then it's all the other stuff. It's the way that now he's understanding, too. He's understanding how to get others involved in key moments, right? He's not just playing hero ball at all moments late in games. Oh, I'm going to dribble in. Boom, Mike Conley's the guy Although, that's going to Although, end of regulation, Phil, I thought he went to hero ball. He did like, for that one possession. Those two threes, he forced those two threes end of regulation. But to his credit, he said post game, like, he used those misses, those forced shots as motivation to find a way to come through in overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dukes, what other scoops do you have left in your bag here on this Tuesday before we say goodbye? Well, a little bit more on the Wolves. I saw Alex Rodriguez courtside last night, so he was also in the pretty seats. Declan had to wave down to A-Rod. But that this thing is going to get to the finish line, it's just, I'll reiterate, like Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez got the Wolves at such a sweetheart price that they're not going to blow this, that you can have up to 25 investors. Now, I don't think it'll be quite that number, but there are going to be a good amount, a handful of limited partners that they will find a way. It's just been wonky, right? But that they are going to find a way to become majority owners. And on Cat, I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but you know, I guess just coming off 7.7 turnovers, Last night, they did quietly gauge in the summer his trade value. Nothing came remotely close, but Mm -hmm. you still, you know, have to wonder if that's the way that this thing is trending. Maybe not this season, right? But like in the summer. That's why I'll continue to say, I've said it a long time, that the summer of 2024, never thought the summer of 23 would be fascinating, but the summer of 24 has a chance to be very fascinating. Yeah. It will, it will definitely be fascinating. I think he's he will bounce back to some extent based on the way he's played so far. Uh, there's nowhere to go but up, but 
it is a weird dynamic, and Nas Reed is making a very strong case for more than 23 minutes a game. Well, yes, and I do think, though, like, Cat hasn't made three so far. Like, what's he shooting from three-point range? 20-something percent? Yeah. We all know he's a significantly better three-point shooter than what we've seen. So I have no doubt in my mind his three-point shot minimum, right, when analyzing his full game, but minimum his three-point shot is going to get better. I'll transition to the Twins before we go. So the GM meetings are underway in Arizona. The Twins have Falvey, Levine. They've got Adler. They've got Zoll, right? They've got their assistant GMs. They've got their GM, their president of operations. So they're wheeling and dealing. Well, not quite, but trying to wheel and deal down in Arizona, at least planting seeds on some stuff. I would keep an eye on, depending on what the Mariners slash Blue Jays do, like those would be two teams to keep an eye on in Jorge Polanco trade talks. Seattle certainly has a good amount of pitching if you're looking to acquire a pitcher. Now, you know, it might have to be Polanco plus more for one of their arms, but I would keep an eye on Seattle, depending on what Seattle does the next few weeks. If they don't strike on an infielder, like in free agency, do they revisit some talks with the Twins? Also, I saw Bob Nightingale, senior, not junior from the Star Tribune, but his dad had the note about the Twins having free agent interest in Kevin Kiermeyer. Mm-hmm. I can also add, now, hey, they'd like to bring Michael A. Taylor back, but there is also interest in Harrison Bader. That was a player the Twins put a claim in on during the season. So that's another center fielder on the Twins' radar as free mm-hmm. agency is now underway. All right. Hey, good session here. Good scoop mm. session good here, And Sonny Gray, I've mentioned the Cardinals before. The Braves would be another team to watch on Sonny. We knew the Twins would tender the qualifying offer. We also know that Sonny Gray is not accepting the qualifying offer. Are we talking three years, 73 to $75 million? Will some team go that high? If they do, it's hard to see the Twins going that high. Or is it closer to the Chris Bassett money, three years, 62, 63-ish? But if it's like 70 to 75, it's hard to see Sonny Gray back with the Twins. Yeah. Thank you, Doogie. Darren Doogie Wilson from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department. Some inside information and some fun speculation about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. All right, boys. Love it. See you, Dukes.